awesome church where we can come and celebrate marriages, where we can come and celebrate um, yeah, our elders, our leadership, and just get to know each other a little bit more. Um, so as you're turning to there, Second uh, Corinthians is the heart shows us the heart of the gospel. It's the message of reconciliation that has been entrusted to us to share with everyone. My absolute favourite truth in this verse is that when we, are un- when we are united with Christ, we are made new. Not fixed, not remodelled, but new. So I'll just turn to that in my Bible. All right. So 2 Corinthians 5.14 through 2.21. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us with himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thanks, Church. Thanks, Kelly. Super cool, super cool. Hey, Etu, everyone stand up, eh? It's all good. Hey, um, so I'm talking about the cross this morning because we're leading into Easter, and one of my favorite, which I'm going to flip around, obviously, as we go through it, one of my favorite phrases that I always think of when I think of the cross is when someone does a crime, there's a classic phrase that a lot of people will say, right? If you do the crime, you do the time. You know, the 1A. If you do the crime, you do the time. So as a way of saying kia and uh, morena and buenos dias and where's Takashi? Konnichiwa. As a way of saying good day to people, go and say good day to a few people. But as you see them, please say to them, um, "You do the you do the crime, you do the time." But maybe be nice because they might have done something bad on their way. I'm joking. So you do the crime, you do the time. Go and find a few people. Say good morning, kia ora, buenos dias, como estas? Okay, kia ora, enohoa, enohoa. Have a seat. I don't know how to say have a seat in Japanese or Spanish. That's all I got. David, how do I say, how do I say, David, how do I say have a seat in Spanish? How do I say please sit in Spanish? Oh, that's too long. Por favor, which is, por favor is like please. Siente, por favor. All right. Next time, that's what we're doing. All right. No, I don't know. Anyway, good to see you all, eh? Good to see you. Hey, if you didn't realize, I heard some people this week were like, what was with those pictures on the... The slide last week. So one of the oh, one's falling down. No. Um, so we're having an owls meeting a little while ago, a month or a couple of months ago, talking about um, preaching for the year. And someone had a really good idea. Let's go through all these, which is really cool. So we put those up last year, leading into Christmas. So the plan is, um, thanks heaps. The plan is to <laughs> jump, um, is to work through them. So it's quite cool. There's four that fit really well with Easter. And so Graham did like a phenomenal message. If you missed Graham's sermon last week, you can go to our website and you can either watch it video or you could just listen to the podcast. Awesome message. Unpacking the first 
verse 1 of Easter, which is talking about Jesus being um, a servant king, right? Servant leader, very super cool message. And then I'm doing the Jesus took our punishment today, and then the my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, which I just absolutely love that picture, is going to be Friday night, and then the three days later is obviously on um, Easter Sunday, so that's kind of where we're heading, so a little Easter series here. Um, and so the one we're looking at today, just so you can see it a bit more clearly, is this one here, which I just love this I mean, I hate this picture because it's to do with sin, but I love this picture at the same time. So Jesus took the punishment for all our sin, bore the weight of all the world. And I love, so Briar um, did this picture, and I just love the way she's done it of, you can see Jesus, the cross, the crown of thorns, that whole thing, but I love how he's bearing the world, but the world's, I'm thinking this is like evil, it's like this vine of evilness, and I was like, that's such good imagery, you see the imagery, are you with me? So cool, eh? I, I really love that. If you haven't looked down the line of pictures, I'd encourage you to take some time to, um, to have a bit of a look. Huh? Briar Dowling. So she's a niece of, I don't know, owls. So yeah, it's cool, eh? So she did all these little drawings. That's super cool, eh? All right. Hey, so I want to look at one of my favorite verses um, this morning, and I'm going to pull it apart. Now, I've preached on this before because it's my favorite, and so I'll probably say some stuff that I said before, but I really don't care because I just love this verse so much. So I have it tattooed on my arm, which has led to many wild conversations with people. So I'm going to talk about that, a bit about that as I go through. So um, here's this verse, right? You guys, you guys know this verse, and Kelly read it so nicely before. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God made Christ. I've got to come back. I'm going to come back and unpack that. God made Christ. God the Father made Christ. That's just such a huge statement, right? It's just, that's massive. Who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. Um, this verse has all these overtones from the Old Testament in it, right? This offering. So a Jewish person reading this would straight away go, oh my gosh, Jesus was an offering like, like a lamb we saw at the temple taken and just like its throat slit and the blood poured out to cover someone's sin? Gee, he's God, what? <laughs> to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I just love this. So th this is the New Living Translation, which I love the New Living Translation. It's a as close as they could get to the original languages, Greek and Hebrew, but still make it readable, right? So there's another one I love, another translation called the English Standard Version, and it's, it's often a little bit harder to read, but I love how they try and stay real close to the Greek. So this is it in the, um, the ESV, the English Standard Version, for our sake. Now, again, I'm going to come back and talk about that because this is all about us, right? <laughs> this is all about us. I always think God doesn't get a lot out of this deal, right? He gets a whole bunch of awesome people, but people who still sin and mess up and make mistakes. But it's all for us, right? I love that. For our sake, um, he, God, made him Jesus. So for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, I just, I love that, eh? And that's the version I've got tattooed on my, on my arm, by the way, because I just love the, the, the logic that, so Paul um, is the one who wrote this, and he does this really cool logic in this where he's going to flip it, and you'll, you'll see that as we kind of go through. So i got a couple of real simple um, points as we go through. So here's the first one. Um, Jesus became sin for us, right? Jesus became sin for us. And there's so much, I really struggled to write this sermon because whenever you talk about the, the three hours of Jesus on the cross becoming the sin of the world, it's just such a huge concept to unpack. It's like, oh my gosh, so I had like a zillion verses that I had to keep dropping, otherwise we'd be here all day. So um, I want to start with this quote from um, some guys that, that I love that are explaining this, right, of Jesus becoming sin for us. Yet God made him to be sin. Paul's language is careful. 
He did not say Jesus became a sinner, which would be untrue. Rather, Jesus became the representative sin-bearer. He identified 100% with the sin of the world when he died on the cross. God treated Jesus as if he was sin itself. So that John 1, 29 verse, that's when John the Baptist sees Jesus coming. And remember, he sees Jesus coming and he says, behold, or oh my gosh, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Again, this Old Testament reference, right? Oh my gosh, this is the one who will be sacrificed as a lamb was sacrificed in the temple, throat, cut, blood everywhere. This is the one who's going to be sacrificed and take away the sins of the world, right? It's this massive, massive statement by John. I'm going to read that again because I love this quote, right? Yet God made him to be sin. Paul's language is careful. He did not say Jesus became a sinner. It's important, right? There's no way Paul's saying Jesus sinned because as soon as Jesus sins, then this whole thing is stuffed because <laughs> now he's got to atone for his own sins, right? But the only way anyone can have their sins atoned or their sins removed is through Jesus. But if he sinned, he can't pay for his own sins because he sinned. You with me, right? It's like, oh, we're all in we're trap. Paul's language is careful. He did not say Jesus became a sinner, which would be untrue. Rather, Jesus became the representative sin bearer. He identified 100% with the sin of the world when he died on the cross. God treated Jesus as if he was sin itself. Just massive, eh? I want to just look through a whole bunch of verses. So if you've got your Bible, jump in to these verses with me, eh? I thought it's good to um, let the Bible speak. Um, I think the Bible's kind of a cool book. Last time I checked. Um, where are we going first, Peter? My, these verses are all pretty simple, but I, I thought it's good to read them all. So we're talking about the fact that Jesus is sinless, right? Like I just said, we, we can't have Jesus in any way sinning um, before he goes to the cross. Otherwise, he goes to the cross and pays for his own sin. Makes sense, eh? Makes sense? Yeah, yeah shot. Thank you, Johanna. Um, so just a side note on that, and this is kind of concerning. I'm bumping into more and more Christians, and I'm going to say that carefully, um, who are, are not believing that Jesus is God. And so a lot more people are starting to go down this very confusing track of Jesus, in quotes, becomes almost God at some point. Um, a lot of people, when he's baptized and the Holy Spirit comes on him, he kind of becomes God. But the problem with that is, then he would have sinned before that time, because he's human, 100% human. He's not the God-man, he's just the man. So then you've got this problem of, well, how does he remove his sin before he goes to the cross to die for the sins of the world? So that's where, like, we would all say, no, 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 that's the whole story of Christmas. It's this amazing reality that Jesus is born of a virgin from the Holy Spirit, so he is 100% human, 100% God. You with me, eh? Yeah. So I keep hearing this from people, and I'm like, well, you can't do that. So verse 22 is real obvious. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. In his mouth, it's pretty obvious, right? Jesus is sinless. This is this whole thing. So First John three five says the same um, kind of idea. Um, where are we? First John three five. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. And then go over to Hebrews four. Um, this Hebrews, like Hebrews, is like the most amazing book talking about. Um, the sacrifice of Christ and who he really is, and it's just phenomenal. But just this verse, eh? um, where are we going? Hebrews 4.15. Um, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to, sympathize, um, unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. <laughs> and he's talking about Jesus as our, as our high priest, as our, our one who represents us before God. And he makes this clear statement that Jesus has been tempted, but he never sinned, right? And again, it's that same thing. And 
just so we're all clear, he's not saying that Jesus was tempted with the exact same sins as we are. Like Jesus was never tempted to drive too fast and ignore the speed limit. You know, Jesus was never tempted to, um, I don't know, everything I keep thinking of is really terrible. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to say that about Jesus. I was going to say, Jesus was never tempted to look at his computer and look at something he shouldn't. I was like, oh, I don't want to say that about God. And lightning bolts. But the idea, that what, what the writer to the Hebrews is saying is that the, the, um, the kinds of temptations we have, same thing, Jesus had them, you know, lust and anger and all that stuff, that same thing, but he never sinned, right? So, so super clear. Um, okay, so kind of a side note, um, the, the writers in the New Testament and in the Old Testament, they, they want to make it super clear that we get that Jesus is totally sinless, he never ever sinned, because that's obvious, otherwise if he did a sin, he can't go to the cross and die for anyone else, he's got to pay for his own sins, correct? Cool. The other thing they make super, super clear is that Jesus is fully God, right? Totally, 100% God. Um, so, so hypothetically, hypothetically, I'll pick on Will because he's sitting here. So hypothetically, if Will lived a perfect life, never ever sinned, hypothetically, could Will then die in my place, take the punishment due to me? Hypothetically, could he if he never had sinned? Yes, he could. <laughs> now let's just quietly ask Sarah about those sins. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, no. We don't have time, no. Um, So hypothetically, a person could die for someone else's sins. Now, their death would then be forever, right? Because you can never, a human can't pay the debt of sin. So if if Will did that in my place, then Will would be sent away from the presence of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever because he's never going to get to an end, right? So, So the Bible needs to make it clear that Jesus never sinned so he can pay for our sin. But the Bible also needs to make it clear that Jesus is God so that he can pay for everyone's sins at once, right? So again, if Will had lived a perfect life, he could hypothetically die for me, but the rest of you are in big trouble (laughs) because he's just human. But because Jesus is human, he's able to be our representative. He couldn't be an angel, right? Jesus couldn't have been a great angel who came down because we're not angels. (laughs) I was thinking about this week and I was going to be like, some of you are pretty close to angels, to be honest. You're pretty amazing, but some of you, not so much. But I'm not going to say that, no. Um, so he had to be fully human to represent us before God. But he also has to be fully God so that he can pay for the sins of the world in one go. Makes sense, eh? You with me, eh? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, just awesome. Okay. Okay, here's a, a quote. I love this quote. It makes me just about burst into tears every time. So this... This quote's written by um, uh, Melito of Sardis. Uh, he was a, a, a pastor um, back in the early hundreds, <laughs> hundreds AD, so nearly 2,000 years ago. Uh, and when I was reading about this guy, it was really cool because they're like, they've got a connection back to the original disciples from this guy. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> so this is what he wrote, reflecting on the cross. I thought this was pretty powerful. Let me chart this up. And so he was raised on a cross and a title was fixed indicating who it was, um, sorry, who it was who was being executed. Painful it is to say, but more terrible not to say. <laughs> he who suspended the earth is suspended. He who fixed the heavens is fixed. He who fastened all things is fastened to the wood. The master is outraged. God is murdered. <laughs> um, I, I love that last bit. The master is outraged. God is wrathful. <laughs> God the Father is wrathful at this point because Jesus is sin. Remember, he became sin. Remember, he's not a sinner, but when God the Father looks at Jesus on the cross, he sees sin. <laughs> he sees evil. <laughs> it's just like, I love that last bit, eh? 
Um, the master is outraged. God the Father is outraged. But God himself is murdered. It's like, whoa, the reality of this. I don't know. It's a good quote, eh? I love that. Um, I was reading in Isaiah this week too. Grant was reading from Isaiah before. And Isaiah 53 um, says this. All we like sheep have gone astray. And we're all like, yeah. <laughs> we are sheep that go astray, right? Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, maybe it's just me. Everyone else is good. No. Um, so all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And then, and then this is how he finishes this verse. And the Lord God has laid on him the iniquity of us all, the, the sin of us all is laid on Jesus, right? Um, one of the things that, oh, this might sound a bit rude. Well, I think one of the things that we forget sometimes as Christians when we think about the cross, we go, Jesus, 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 thank you for your sacrifice. Oh, my God. And which is correct and right, but we forget that the Father <laughs> endured just as much pain. So one, he's punishing the second person of the Trinity, who he's been in perfect community with forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? So he's, he's punishing one whom he loves. He knows he's sinned, but he's also the second person of the Trinity. It's like that punishment. But also, and this is kind of a mind-blowing thing, the Trinity are one, right? They are one essence, three separate beings, but one essence. So as the Father punishes the Son, he is fully experiencing the punishment that he is putting on the Son. Do you know what I mean? Because the Trinity is one. It's like, what the heck? And I think sometimes I forget that, and I just think about Jesus. So um, I was reading this this quote, and so Wayne Gruden's one of my favorite theologians, and he's this is a bit where he's talking about the cross. He says, Here and we see something of the amazing love of both God the Father and God the Son in redemption. Not only did Jesus know that he would bear the incredible pain of the cross, but God the Father also knew that he would have to inflict this pain on his deeply loved son. And then he quotes that cool verse, God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> it's like the, the, I was doing the youth talk on um, Friday night and I was talking about the cross as a symbol of love. It really is. It's a symbol of God saying, do you guys get how much I love you? <laughs> oh, no greater love could God show than to sacrifice himself in our place. I'm just like... Psh- Crazy, eh? So what happened on the cross, right? What, what, what occurs on the cross? What does it actually mean that Jesus becomes sin um, for us? So here's a cool verse from Galatians. I put this on the screen so we could see it. Galatians 3.13. But when Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law, um, when he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it's written in the Scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And you, I think this is a simple concept of, understand in one sense, but completely impossible to understand in the other sense. So the simple understanding is the curse of disobedience against God, the curse of sin, the curse of evil is spiritual death, right? The Bible makes that super clear. And that's what we all deserve. We all deserve spiritual death, spiritual separation from God forever and ever and ever, because we do evil. (laughs) And we all go, you're right. (laughs) No one can say to God, that's not fair, (laughs) because God goes, well, let's let's have a look at your life. How's that going for you, you know? And it's like, oh, well, let's not look at our life. Um, so on one hand, it's easy to understand that the, the curse, the, the result, the wages, right, the Bible says, for sin is spiritual death. Um, so we get that. But then the part I just don't understand is how does God then take that punishment for that curse for all people that have ever lived and punish the son for it in three hours? I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how God rolls up eternity, which is how long it would take, you know, someone will be in, in, in separation from God for eternity, roll that up and and put that on Jesus in that, that time and, and punish Jesus. So 
On one hand, we get it. We get right on the cross. He, he becomes sin. He, he is sin. He's not a sinner, but he is sin. And he endures now the full wrath of God that would be poured out on someone forever and ever and ever for every single person in three hours. It's like, whoa, he, he bears the consequence of our evil, of our sin, right? Our, our punishment that we should deserve. Um, yeah, mind-blowing. Okay, so here's our, our picture again. Now that we're kind of understanding it, we're you know, unpacking a little bit. Jesus took the punishment for all our sin. That's what we've been saying, what I've been saying, right? The, the curse. Um, he bore the weight of all the world, right? I love that, eh? I know this is real heavy, but I'm like, it's the cross, and I don't know how to preach it with some funny jokes in there, right? So I know this is heavy, so normally I'd have some funny things. So I have a funny thing, just in case you're freaking out. This is my favorite cartoon about Easter. It's super ancient, heaps of seen it, but every time I see it, I'm like, so I love this. I'll check it up and I'll read it. You'll see it. So this guy says, I hate the term Good Friday. And the other guy says, why? And he says, my Lord was hanged on a tree that day. And he says, if you were going to be hanged on that day and he volunteered to take your place, how would you feel? And the guy says, good, have a nice day. <laughs> I love that, eh? I love that. that. That's us, right? We deserve this punishment. And we call Good Friday good because that's the day that Jesus takes what is deserved by us, right? Massive. It's a great one. Okay, question time. In case you're like, whoa, bro, this is too much craziness. All right. So, here's a couple. so if you're a visitor, we're going to have a chat in a minute, but I'll explain the rules in a minute, so don't pounce on anyone just yet. So here's the questions. When you reflect on Christ literally becoming sin for you, what are some of your main responses? So when you reflect on the reality that the Son of God, creator of the universe, became sin for you, how do you feel? What does that make you? How do you respond to that? Um, and, then, and then second question, you could choose either one of these questions. Um, how do you think Jesus felt? being punished for the sin of the world for people who actually are sinners. <laughs> knowing, knowing not that when, when he saves us, we instantly become good and perfect and we never sin again, but knowing that we would continue to be sheep who go astray. <laughs> less and less as we understand more his sacrifice. So there's a couple of questions. So this is the, the plan. Um, yeah, so everyone's just going to grab people and have a little chat for the next two or three minutes. If you're a um, visitor or if God's talking to you, the deal is you stare at the screen so if you stay staring at the screen, that's the message to everyone around you that you and God are just hanging out and you just don't want to be bugged, okay? But if you're not staring at the screen, then people will talk to you. So be afraid. Nah, all good. All right, grab a friend, have a little chat, and then we'll carry on. Cheers. All righty. Kia ora. Kia ora. Any thoughts from anyone? So Luke... Luke and I were chatting. He had a really good point I don't think I've ever thought about before, is that as humans, we really don't understand the cross at all. But Jesus, being God, fully understood what was coming. And I was like, oh, of course. Which, you know, like Luke was saying, which is why in the garden before the, the cross, Jesus is sweating drops of blood, like literally going, I, I don't want this, you know, but I submit myself to your will because as God, he fully gets what's coming. It's not like we're like, I don't really understand what happened on the cross. Jesus is like... Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. That was good, Luke. Anyone else? Any thoughts? Either question? I don't know. Guilt. Guilt? Which one are you looking at? Yeah. Yeah, totally, eh? Yeah, so Naomi's saying guilt from the first one. When you reflect on Christ literally becoming sin, you can just feel overwhelming guilt that he died for my sin because <laughs> I still intentionally make evil choices, you know? That's good. Anyone else? Yeah, bro. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So just for the video and stuff, so what Rob's saying is um, awe, <laughs> absolute awe that the creator of the universe would bear your sin, my sin. It's just like, whoa. And then he quoted um, an old quote from Louis Giglio, which says, say it again, bro. Yeah, we're insignificantly significant. It's cool, hey? We're insignificantly significant. It's good. All right. Cool. Hey, let's carry on. So um, we've talked about Jesus becoming the sin of the word. He became the curse for us. He became that, that the punishment, which is separation from God. Um, so here's the second bit, and this is, I think this, <laughs> I was going to say, this one's easier to understand, but again, it's really easy to understand at a light level, but at the full level, you're like, no, nah, I got nothing. I don't get it at all. <laughs> um, so the second half of the verse is, so we could become the righteousness of God, right? So that we could become the righteousness of God. Now, and this is where you see the real, the very clever, I think, way Paul has explained his logic because it reverses the whole thing. So this is it here, right? Jesus became our sin, so we could become his righteousness, right? Jesus became our sin, so we could become his righteousness. And this is where God flips that, um, you do the crime, you do the time. He totally flips it on his head and he goes, you do the crime, I will do the time, which is like, what? Why? <laughs> You're God. You don't need to do that. And he's like, yeah, I literally do because you can't save yourselves. And it's like, but I did the crime. I should, but you can't. So he does. It's like, Psh. oh, I love that. Eh? Um, here's the, the, the verse again that we're looking at. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, and like I said before, that I love how that Paul starts this. It's all for our sake, right? <laughs> it's all for our sake. What does God, and I say this really carefully, what does God get out of this deal? <laughs> I mean, he does get our worship and our adoration, but yay. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like compared to the cost of sacrificing the second person of the Trinity, I'm like, it's not a very good deal, God. You should have thought through this a bit more, you know, seriously. But it just shows the, the full extent of his love for us, the full extent of his desire to be one with us, right? Just... I don't know. That overwhelms me massively, eh? So two little thoughts out of this one is um, the first one is we become um, who Christ is. So the, the first part of this is we become, kia ora, Daniel, how you doing, bro? Communion? No. <laughs> so spiritual, that kid. So spiritual, bro. Um, so the first part is that we become sinless, right? We, our sin is totally removed. And then there's a second component to it. And I love this verse over in Romans um, 8. So we got your Bible. Jump over to Romans 8. Read verses one to three, and this is one of these these oh man, hard to really get your brain. You can understand it, but to to understand it in a live it out sense, I just find this so hard. Um, so we're talking about he became sin, right? When when someone becomes a Christian, when someone moves into a relationship with God and asks God through the death of Jesus Christ to remove their sin. Their sin is gone. And, and this is that classic verse in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is none. Because your sin's been removed, right? And he carries on. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus 
from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Man, I just love that, eh? It's like the law couldn't do this. The law couldn't save people because everyone kept sinning and kept stuffing up, which was the whole point, to make them go, this law thing in the Old Testament doesn't work. God came up with a bad plan. And God's like, I oh, know, that's the plan. So that when Jesus comes, everyone's like, oh, now I get it. We can never save ourselves. It's all about God needing to save us. So the first part of this is that we now have no sin. And I know there's different views on this, but I'm a very strong believer that when someone becomes a Christian, and again, that can be a journey. I don't know that it's always a prayer that someone prays. I think often it's a journey. When someone becomes a, a believer, when they move into that relationship with God, their sin is gone, past, present, future, right? They might still sin, but it's already dealt with at the cross, right? It's already dealt with. Um, and then the second part is, so that's one part, but God in his incredible love doesn't just leave us without sin. He then puts onto us his own righteousness, Right? Here's this cool verse from Ephesians. I love this. This is a bit of a grunty verse, but I love this. eh? Ephesians 4, 21 to 24. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, (laughs) which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, (laughs) let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, Paul obviously is writing this in the, in the Greek, and that, that last part especially, put on your new nature, the Greek words he uses is put it on and keep putting it on, keep putting it on, keep putting it on. And I think Paul knows humans super well, and he knows that we're really good at reminding ourselves of past sins and reminding ourselves, oh, I stuffed up again yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Am I really righteous? Am I really, am I? And he's like, keep putting that on, keep putting that on. So I know heaps of you in our church, and kia ora, I didn't say kia ora to the people on video or listen to the podcast. I wanted to say, if you're someone who goes, yeah, yeah, I kind of get, I get that Jesus bore my sin, but I'm not sure about this whole last part, that now God has declared that I am sinless, and he has declared that I am righteous. I don't really get that. One of the things I kind of ask you to do is to really wrestle with that, right? What does that really look like? This is a great verse to memorize. And go over that and be like, man, this is something I've got to keep reminding myself of. And to me, this is the key part of it. Kia ora, Daniel. The key part of this is this. Back to the Second Corinthians 5.21. He's not saying um, that he bore our sin and that he gives us righteousness. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying you believe in Jesus and you become right or good or whatever. He's saying you become the righteousness of God himself. And to me, that's this absolute massive next level of what it means to be a Christian. When God looks at you, and we're, we're useless, I think a lot of us are not very good at looking at ourselves like this, but when God looks at you, if you're in a relationship with him, he does not see your sin. He knows you still sin, but he does not see it because Jesus has removed it, right? But when he looks at you, he sees someone who's not just good and nice and whatever. He sees someone who is holy, <laughs> You see someone who is beautiful inside and out because you have the beauty of God. You see someone who is right, someone who is awesome because God indwells you. So again, I wanted to say, and especially if you're listening on video A, I, I really want to say if that's something you're like, but, there's no but. You can't say, I believe in God, yeah, but, but. When I look at me, I still, it's like, I know you still sin. We've looked at that. But when God looks at you, he goes, man, you are sinless. Whoa. You are as righteous as I am. You're as beautiful as I am. You're as clean as God is. It's like, that's just like next level, man. I love that, eh? 
I love that. Okay, let me finish with this little story, and then I'll, I'll pray, right? Um, this is a little bit cheesy, but I personally love it, and I've got the microphone, so bad luck. I don't think this is true, but maybe it was true. I don't know. So at the heart of the city of London is Charing Cross. All distances across the city of London are measured from its central point. Locals refer to it simply as the cross. One day a child became lost in the bustling metropolis. A city police officer came to the child's aid to try and help him return to his family. The policeman asked the child a variety of questions in an attempt to discover where the boy lived to no avail. Finally, with tears streaming down the boy's face, he said, if you'll take me to the cross, I think I can find my way from there. I love that bit. What an apt description of the Christian life. The cross is both the starting place of our new life in Christ, but also the place we must return to time and again to keep our bearings in life. <laughs> I love that, eh? Um, Easter's this next weekend. I just really encourage you this week to be keep reading over that story of Easter to get that sacrifice of Christ ingrained in your head. But also the result, also who you are. <laughs> You are righteous. You are pure. And, and you go, no, I'm not because I just did this yesterday. And God's like, nah. Jesus dealt with that. And then we're moving on. You know, it's like, whoa, it's just this mind blowing reality. Right, Etu, let's all stand up. Let me pray, and the worship team's coming up. Yeah, kill Almighty God. Um, yeah, like I've said bunch of times. On one level, we kind of get this, but on a deeper level, I don't think we do understand this at all. Um, Jesus, we are in awe of your incredible sacrifice for us, Um, your extreme proof of your your incredible love for us, Um, your desire for us to be who we were really created to be, which is one with you and dwelt by the triune God. And it just overwhelms us, God. And, and again, we, we scratch it and we go, oh, I kind of get it, but we know we don't really understand it at a deeper level. So I pray for everyone in this room. God, I pray for people listening on a podcast, people watching on video right now, that in this week leading up to Easter, we would be diligent, eh? We would be wise people this week to take time each day to just reflect on the cross. <laughs> what really happened on there? Why did this really happen on there? And what is the result to me? How does that change me? What are you calling to me to understand as I, I lead into Holy Week, as I lead into this week and lead into Easter? You know, I pray a blessing over us all in the name of Jesus. Yeah, amen. Thanks.